You are dialed in to the Success Line Podcast, the place where you get a chance to phone a friend, call in a lifeline, and ask a favor of someone who's been there and done that. This is Real People, getting one-on-one coaching with success entrepreneurship editor and New York Times bestselling author, Rory Vaden. Here's Rory. Hey there, it's Rory Vaden, co-founder of Brand Builders Group and your host of The Success Line. What you're about to hear is a real-life conversation with somebody that I am just meeting about the actual struggles they are facing each and every day in their life and their business. You and I are going to meet them at the same time. We're going to have an honest talk and then stick around at the very end and I'll do a debrief and a recap highlighting some of the biggest takeaways that you can apply to your own life. Let's get started. Welcome back to the success line. I'm excited for you to meet my friend, Kathy. Kathy is an experienced, highly successful project manager. Uh, She hails from the great state of Florida and uh, we've never met. So this is our our first conversation and chat about what some of the next steps look like for her in her career. And uh, that's about all I know and that's all you know. So anyways, Kathy, we're so glad to have you. Welcome to the success line. Thank you so much. I really appreciate this opportunity. It's great to to virtually meet you at least. Um, and yeah, I'm happy to, to be here and um, just, you know, to hear uh, your questions and advice and just any takeaways that I can um, uh, depart from today would be great. Yeah. Have you been following Success Magazine for a while? Like, uh, you know, the, the, the whole kind of publication and everything? I would say it's been rather recent. It's been within this first quarter of this year. Um, wow. Okay. And yeah. Yeah. So I'm a newbie, and uh, and I think I I may have found reference to it from LinkedIn. So I'm, I I think that's where the the trail came from. But anyways, um, it's it's been a real uh, it's a really great sounding board. Um, and I'm just happy to to be in the community. So I'm yeah. So it it's I'm fairly new, but I'm getting used to it, and it's been great. I love it. Well, we're so we're glad you're here. And so just to make sure I understand, so a little bit about your background. I see you got pictures behind you there. So you, you I, I presume you got a couple kids. Is that right? Actually, I have just one son. One son uh, and one son. That's enough. <laughs> so yeah, he, uh, he's nine, and uh, I had him a little bit later um, in life. I was almost, you know, I think I was almost forty when I had him. So a little bit later, but you know, that's just how um, how things worked out for me. But um, yeah, so that's that's been a part of um, the challenge, if you will, of uh, being a little bit of an older parent, but still being um, in the workforce and definitely not ready to slow down, um, but being so much ahead of um, maybe peers within um you know different social environments that I meet with my son because other parents are so much younger, yeah, so um. So talk to me a little bit about your about your question. As I understand it, you you you've been a consultant and a, a very experienced like project manager and leader. And then, you know, where is that led you to now and kind of like what's your what's your challenge or the obstacle or just, you know, the question you want to try to work through? Right. So I'll give you a quick um snapshot of, you know, kind of who I am um and kind of, you know, how my career has 
you know, been built in stages. Yeah. So, um, I graduated from Florida State University um, with a degree in psychology, and so I spent the first two years um, out of school actually using that degree um, in the mental health arena, which was a very, very difficult um, uh, in- industry um, to work in. I mean, that's a, it's just a very difficult population. Anybody who knows anything about mental health will yeah. attest to that. Um, and so... Um, Truth be told, I actually wanted to go back to graduate school, so I moved um, back here to Tallahassee, where I live, and decided to um, take an opportunity to get into consulting. I was offered a uh, position with a um, one of the big, well, I guess they call it a big five, but big four firms that had mm-hmm. a local practice here in Tallahassee, and so that's where I kind of essentially cut my teeth in management consulting. And I that was, gosh, that was probably about 20 years ago. And since that time, I have built um, a very, very uh, vast, uh, exper- a vast um, number of years in experience with uh, clients, both in the public and private sector, um, okay. all different types of clients in different industries doing consulting. Um, in the last 12 years, it's really kind of been more specific to project management, and that's been IT-focused. So if they have um, a new system that they're rolling out or if they're getting ready to buy a system and need some guidance with that, you know, there's gotcha. a, a host of variables that will come into play with that. So it sounds kind of broad-reaching when I explain it that way, but um, it can be very specific when, um, you know, when I'm working with a particular client. And, you know, so each client is different, obviously. They all have similar challenges, but are these they like all huge, massive needs. companies or are they like medium sized companies? I mean, I assume they're not like super small businesses. So, no, they're not super small. So, I would say medium sized to large companies okay. that I've worked with. Um, for instance, I'll, um, in my past uh, life, uh, in one of my previous companies, uh, CVS was one of my clients. Okay. Um, and so, uh, in, in Tallahassee, most of the uh, opportunities here have been either state and local government um, because we are the capital of Florida. So, that's where a lot of the um, consulting opportunities lie. But there okay. are private, you know, private sector opportunities, but you just have to kind of really look for them. Okay. And so, and so what's your question? Like, I guess where, where are you at? What are you bumping up against? And then like, what are you hoping to accomplish that's that, you know, for the future? So here's where I'm at right now, Rory. And that's a, that's kind of a great segue for me to try to explain this a little bit better because my question was, you know, I tried to make it as succinct as possible when I submitted it was so, um, Fast forward now, um, it's, you know, 2021. I am actually um, in graduate school right now, part-time, um, and that's for, um, I'm actually getting a Juris Master's in Law um, at Florida State. And so um, that it, that program is designed for executives, directors, managers like myself who have years of experience, but also want to couple that with um, law expertise. So it's not to be an attorney or to be in a courtroom, but it's really to marry um, the professional environment that you come from with the legal expertise. So that aside, um, so the here's where the rub is. Um, What I am finding right now is that um, either I don't want to necessarily say that it's um, age bias that's necessarily going on. But if somebody sees, you know, oh, she's got 20 plus years of experience, you know, why is she still kind of out hunting or on the hunt? You know, why isn't she somewhere else and, you know, uh, a senior executive somewhere? Well, 
the truth be told is that that's just not where my project experience was leading at the time. So now where I, I am finding the roadblocks is that is actually just that is that I, I get the well, you haven't really done that yet or maybe that wasn't your title yet. Uh, so you're I wanting, wasn't... you're hoping to get a role as like a C level person or in the executive suite. Is that what you're trying to accomplish? That's correct. Um, okay. And so operationally, as a consultant, I've definitely served in that capacity for my clients. Um, but it wasn't ever something where I thought, okay, well, they're going to hire me on as you know their next chief of staff or something. That's never why I was there. And most of the time, that's you know consultants really don't dig their heels in and try to, you know, morph into the the client organization. I certainly didn't. So that is the the main challenge that that I am seeing right now and especially in Tallahassee too because we are I mean even though it's the state capital, we are somewhat of a, you know, a small college town if you will. I don't want to say small, small, but we're a southern college town and so, you know, it's either university or, you know, state government or, you know, so you you really have to um, either build something from the ground up or find an opportunity where somebody is saying, okay, you know, this is, I definitely have seen this, you know, you operating in this role before. And so I'm going to go ahead and give you, you know, um, a chance, um, you know, maybe in this, in this position. So I just don't see that um, coming my way. Um, and, and that's, that's what the main, main challenge is for me. Yeah, you're you're saying you you're not you, so you're wanting to get into the C-suite. You're not necessarily seeing a clear path to get there partially cuz where you live and part because you don't yet have that official title on the resume. Correct. And you're and you're trying to go, how do I break how do I break into the C-suite? I mean, if we had to boil this down here a little bit, that's kind of what you're kind of what that's you're talking about. That's uh-huh. the rub. And um and and, and most and most um, C-level executives, I mean, they they may have an MBA. They may not. I mean, I would say probably the majority of them do. Um, that wasn't the route that I wanted to go in um, when I went back to graduate school. And that was primarily because before COVID hit, um, when I did inquire about that position or that uh, that school, uh, it it just it was like it was going to be a full time you know, it was going to be a full-time slam dunk. And I was like, I can't do that right now. So the Juris Master's program has allowed me to balance my my current um, engagement, my current client, and also pursue the master's degree. So, you know, I but I highly doubt that it's just the, um, oh, she doesn't have an MBA or, you know, she's not a CPA or she's not, the, you know, so I highly doubt it's not that. So, but I'm spec. I mean, but you tell me. <laughs> Well, yeah, so we can talk about this a little bit. So a couple other things here just to help me understand a little. Um, What role in the C-suite do you think you are best suited to serve? Yeah, so that's a great question. So um, from my own expertise, from where I have, you know, kind of already – seeing myself, you know, with the clients and everything, I think probably a operations officer, um, CEO or COO, excuse me, um, or possibly a chief strategy officer, because a lot of my previous consulting work has dealt with um, IT strategy and, you know, that type of thing. So um, I think that either of those two would probably fit um, the experience that I've had so far, thus far, and would really would really play well to that. Um, but I'm just not seeing 
those opportunities come my way, especially, and it doesn't necessarily have to be a huge company. They're just not there. Mm -hmm. Um, And then why do you want to be in the C-suite? I mean, if we're honest, is it the money? Is it the respect? Is it feel, is it because you feel like it, you know, this is where you're, that's what you're supposed to do in your career. I mean, like, what is really the, what's really the draw there to the C-suite? And it sounds like you've been doing consulting here, which uh, in our former life, we actually had built a multi-million dollar consulting practice and sold it. It was part of a wrap up into a company that we had sold. So I, you know, I understand the consulting world pretty well. And it's, it's a lot of the ebbs and flows of like, you know, you're, you're making a ton of money and you're working like crazy. And then it's like, it disappears and you're like back to zero. It was really more my, my wife really ran the consulting practice and she, she really was the, you know, playing the role of consultant day to day. But I, yeah, I know a little bit about that lifestyle. Um, but there's some really great things about it. But what, what I hear you saying is like, no, I, I want the like steady, I'm an employee at an executive in a company where I'm going to like live. And I guess I'm, I'm, you know, why? Yeah. So that's actually a great question. Um, I don't think anybody has really ever delved into that or asked me that before. Um, so it's not any of the initial things that you had mentioned. It's not you know, I'm not chasing down a salary. I'm not chasing down, um, oh, I have to have this title um, or I have to, you know, it's really about um, what you just mentioned is that it's the me as a I'm a contractor. Um, and so there's a there's ebbs and flows there in mm. the in the work. And right now for me, I'm lucky it's been very, very steady, you know, even um, during the you know, the, the, the COVID issues. Um, but I think right now with the level of industry experience that I have, I can be best, I can serve a company in the best way at that level. Um, that, because I really believe that if, you are living up to your potential, then you're going to, I mean, that, at least that's how I feel is that you're going to, you're going to have that, um, the need to, or the, the ability to serve, um, either the company that you work for or the company that you build. And so, you know, I'm not chasing down a, a huge salary. Quite frankly, I would probably make more if I just stayed as a contracting consultant. I know a lot of people who do that. Um, but but I hear you not, saying the, sta- yeah. s- the stability is part of the appeal here. I do. Yeah, absolutely. You're saying that directly because that's for those of you that have never been a consultant, right? That's that's the part that you give up. You get a freedom and flexibility. You can make a lot of money, but stability is the challenge, and it's it's a very much like feast or famine type of thing. Typically, where it's like you're working like crazy and you're on all these projects, and then but if you're if you're doing projects you're not selling the next project and then once the project ends it's like oh my gosh i got no projects i gotta go find a project um so so the stability is a part of it um and then i hear you saying also there's a part of it that you you just feel like you're kind of that you should be able to serve in that way that that is that is the way that you you know you feel like you're at a level of experience that you'd be able to serve in that way and so you kind of almost feel called to like serve in a long-term role as a high level executive. 
Exactly. And, you know, if, if you and I were having this question, you know, 10, 12 years ago, I, I have, wouldn't, I would not have made that statement because I would not have felt comfortable leading a, an organization of that capacity because I wouldn't have had the confidence in my experience or my industry expertise or, or anything like that. Um, but for me being able to help a company build big picture, strategize, um, help organizationally with operational type issues. That to me is just kind of like, it's exciting. Um, and with the, and you're right with the consulting, um, there, there is a, there's a balance there of positives. And, uh, but to what you said, if you are working diligently on the project or the client that you're serving, you're not selling or you're not looking for your next opportunity. And so you can always kind of get stuck in that chasm of, you know, oh, I'm, now I'm beholden to somebody else to find that next project and I'm not comfortable. I, I'm, it, it, that's not a comfortable place for me to be in. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So thank you for this. This is super helpful. So I've got several thoughts here. The first thought I think is the most important of all of them, probably, which is there's several things in your self-talk where you're saying the opportunities aren't coming to me yet, or the opportunities aren't here or in Tallahassee or, you know, things, things around that. And the number one thing for all of us, the, the number one hurdle for all of us trying to achieve something or anything is winning the battle in our mind, right? Like I had to say, I'm a New York Times, I am a New York Times bestselling author. I said that at least a thousand times. And the first 750, I was like, that is the dumbest thing I have ever said to myself. That is so impossible. That makes no sense. That is, that is a lie. And the, the, the self-belief and overcoming the self-doubt is a huge part of it. And your brain will use all sorts of rationalizations like, oh, I'm too old. I'm too this. I don't have enough of that. I'm in the wrong area. I'm telling you, all of that is crap. Like what, what, what matters, Kathy, is what you believe to be true about yourself. And if you tell yourself other people think I'm too old or I'm, those opportunities don't exist or da, 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 da that's what you're losing to. It's not that you're too old. I'm telling you, I hang out with investors and all these you know, big companies. People are desperate right now for gender diversity at the executive level. They are hungry, I would say, and ethnic diversity. People are for the first time ever opening their eyes, actively pursuing, I need a female for my board. I need a female speaker. I need a female as the face of my company. I need a, I need a female spokesperson. I need a, you know, and also, also ethnic diversity, um, which is a wonderful thing. And I, you know, I'm, I'm not saying it's like some crazy advantage you have now. It's, it's like, it's, it, I'm just saying people are intentional now as much as I've ever seen in my career. Let me just say it that way. And, I don't think it your your age is at all working against you. I look at you and I go, you are very young. You are very young. I don't know your exact age. I know the range because you put you filled it out on the profile, but you are not old. You are very young. And especially for the female executive role, you do have some tremendous experience. You've got some tremendous assets working here. Um, and to me, if you have those thoughts in your head, 
you know, I'm experiencing ageism or I'm in the wrong, you know, industry or those opportunities won't present themselves, then they will not. The way that you achieve anything, whether it is, you know, running a marathon, you know, winning a sport athletic event or getting yourself in the C-suite is the battle in your mind is where you win it. And if you make that decision that you're going to get into the C-suite, then you're going to go knock down whatever walls you have to. It's not this thought that the opportunities aren't presenting themselves. It is, I will go knock on as many doors as I have to until I get the opportunity. Um, one of my one of my one of my favorite mentors one of my favorite pieces of advice i got from a mentor is a guy named larry winget and he said look he wasn't talking about your career but i think it applies here he 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 said if you're not generating enough revenue it's one of two problems you either don't have a good product or you're not asking enough people to buy it it is only one of those two things either your product isn't good enough or you're not asking enough people to buy it. And the way I think that applies here is either you're not qualified, you're not as qualified as you think you are, mm-hmm. or you're not asking enough people to hire you. And it is one of those two things. Now, if you really believe, gosh, I have some of the acumen, then it's like, you can't wait. You got to go out there. You got, you have to just go, you have to go get it and you have to go knock it down and you have to be willing to present yourself. Now, I think it's, it's a little bit tricky getting into the C-suite, like presenting, you know, getting into the sweet seat of a company, at least as I would understand it, is not the kind of thing where you just show up and say, hey, here's my resume, you know, hire me as your COO. Correct. Um, I actually think a fantastic entry into the C-suite, which you're also saying you either haven't done or you don't think should happen, at least in my experience, I would go, no, I think one of the best ways in is as a consultant. As you come in as a consultant, you demonstrate your value. You prove that you, uh, and so I would say this is, first is that self-belief. Then the second part of it, I think here is more of like the tactical about how, how I would go about doing this. If I wanted to get into the C-suite, I would actually market myself as a consultant, which you already know in your case, because you've already done it. And I would go, I would work on my personal brand. I would, I would sharpen my LinkedIn profile. I would, I would put out content in the marketplace that demonstrates my expertise, whatever, whatever are the ways, you know, some of which you may already know how to get hired as a consultant. Mm -hmm. But I would say I am strategically selecting my next consulting client, not for the money, but because I actually can see a path here and I feel connected to the team and the culture and the mission and that I go, I'm not working for a retainer. I'm working because I want them to hire me. And I think that uh, coming in as a consultant is one of the best ways to do that because they, 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 they're they saying, I value you enough to hire you from outside. And a lot of times when you hire a consultant, you hire you hire as consultants those that you cannot afford to bring on full time. Correct. Right. Um, right. Many cases. And so that's something you got to be selective about um, is to go, okay, I do want to select a company that I, I do think has the resources or there's a vision here, but it's also going, I might be willing to forego if you're truly not chasing the financial dollar 
to say, I might be willing to go forego some pay here because I want stability and I want in the C-suite and potentially maybe I want equity or some share, you know, I want some shares or I want right. a profit sharing plan or I want something that connects me into the long term. And you go, I believe in you and I believe in me. And I think there is there is no shortage of people in the world who need sharp executives, period, but especially sharp female executives and especially sharp female executives who could be an amazing COO. Like those opportunities are everywhere. I mean, like I open my eyes and I see every entrepreneur I know would love to hire a bad mama jamma COO. And if she's a female, all the better. And if she's got 20 years of experience, yes. And if you can help us solve our IT problems, which is the future of strategy, I, I agree in many ways to what you're saying. IT is strategy, is a huge part of strategy in the future and go, man, if you can have a female executive in the IT space, I think the opportunities are everywhere, Kathy. And I think coming in as a consultant and betting on yourself and going, hey, I want the long term. I think that's I think that's a good path in. Yeah. So I think what you what you offer there is excellent. Um, and I think the well and and just I'll state just because I, I haven't done that yet because when um, I'm contracted, you know, through a a, um, a, a corporate provi- or you know a provider there's a clause in there that just kind of stipulates that, you know, you know, they won't hire you and you won't ask to be, you know, so there's just that, that kind of fine line there. So oh, you're saying um, there's a non solicitation yeah. clause where you won't hire their people, but that's, that, that's not going to prevent them from hiring you. That's, that's them. They can't steal your team and your employees, but that's different than they can't hire you. Well, I mean, that's correct. I mean, I, I mean, if, yeah, for the most part, that is. Well, um, well just take the clause I, out. Make it a yeah, unilateral. Make it a unilateral clause where they you won't hire their people, but they're welcome to hire you. But that's not. I mean, I don't that that would be a very very silly technicality for this to not happen, and it's something that you as the owner of the company have the authority to overwrite and sign a release from if you ever need to to engage into an employment contract with 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 them i mean if they want to hire you and you want to work for them it can happen yep that's a good point that's a i mean good point. you gotta it comes it, that comes back to the idea of deciding in your mind that this is going to happen and it and it it is surrounding yourself with people who see the world differently right because again like if you're around a bunch of people that are like oh they're telling you you're you're probably too old you know who's gonna hire you like uh and, and i'm telling you I see it completely differently. I, I mean, entrepreneur group, I mean, like finding a COO and, and, and for whatever it's worth, and you know, I wouldn't say I'm the expert on this, but for whatever it's worth, I think COO is the slot for you. Um, may, maybe, and maybe CTO would be the, I don't know your depth of technical expertise and, you know, coding and development and all that stuff, which, you know, becomes a little bit less relevant the higher you go. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, to me, a chief strategy officer is going to be all typically pretty tied in also to sales and marketing, which I don't hear as much of the, of the background. Um, and I, and I, you know, I love what you're doing with, you know, getting a, a master's degree in the law, you know, components. And I, I think those things, those things will help, right? When you go, you got to have a really good product, 
so part of that is like, okay, I've got a master's degree. I've got these, you know, these places I've worked, but most of that is to get your, your foot in the door as a consultant and to show what you can do. And then I think the way to the C-suite is after you've proven, Hey, here's, here's what I can do. And, and also I think, you know, the C, the C level is pretty simple in terms of the idea that they, they, at the C level, we pretty much care about increasing revenue and decreasing expenses. I mean, that's like Mm -hmm. what it comes down to. And you're in the expense category, right? So your job is to increase efficiency and decrease expenses uh, or uh, yeah, decrease expenses. So if you can come into my organization and you can show me how to streamline things, uh, you know, how to decrease expenses, how to get projects completed quicker, how to get a higher percentage of projects completed on time and on budget. The other thing that if you're trying to convince a CEO to hire you, and I would say this has been true, I've seen this to be true in, in all organizations that we worked with, you know, just to give you a little background. So my wife and I have, have built four different seven figure companies. We've, we, we sold an eight figure business. She did consulting and, you know, we do a lot of speaking for large, like fortune 500, fortune 100 firms. But in all of those, if you can take weight off the CEO, you can get yourself hired. Like every CEO has the same problem, which is I'm having to do too much. Everything falls on me. I have to solve all the problems. And they, they are desperate to hire a number two or a, or a leadership team or an executive team who goes, I need you to solve problems without them ever having to come to me. I need you to deal with this so I don't have to. And the more you can demonstrate that knack, that ability, that capacity, and that desire. Like to me in a COO, I want a COO who raises their hand and says, Rory, don't even respond to that email. I will take care of it. I will solve it. You don't even need to know about it. I will own this Mm -hmm. for you. That is the, and it is an aggressive mindset, which points back to that, to that belief level of just like, my role is to solve problems. I'll solve them for you. I will get my foot in the door. I will make this happen. And I think sometimes that's a little bit of the, uh, more of an unfamiliar mindset to people in operations. You know, it's very much more of like a kind of driving sales mindset of like, I will hunt, I will conquer, um, but at the, the C level, it's like, you're going to drive for results and you're going to demonstrate it. I think you can do that, Kathy. So let me ask a, a, a question. And I think this was something that I saw, uh, posted somewhere and I don't, I don't want to say maybe it was LinkedIn or something, I, but I, I, I caught some, uh, somebody's, uh, blog, a career blog or something. And then I, um, okay. And it was uh, the question, you know, was in reference to the number of, you know, if you do see a, a C-level position that's advertised on, I don't know, Indeed or, you know, one of these um, job boards. Um, and if you if you truly want that position, don't apply for it that way. That you should network a different way to at least have somebody entertain um, a conversation with you about that position because going into no one's who's going to hire a, their next a CTO or COO from LinkedIn. They don't, they don't do it. I don't know. I don't, I don't know, know if there's any truth to that, but you can, maybe you can, uh, you know, maybe you can t- talk a little I bit more. I personally about that would say I, I read that. 
but I was like, well, why would they even advertise then if they if they're well, not because really they're doing. Hire- they're doing their due diligence to show, hey, True. we went through a process of sourcing all these people when the reality of fact is they're going to hire their friend Joe that they've known for Correct. 20 years anyways. They just got to show the board that like, hey, we sourced a bunch of people. I mean, it is relationships, right? Like relationships are the, are the multiplier here, uh, you know, which is another thing. So that's why I'm saying, you know, you, you kind of come in as a consultant. And by the way, if you've done a great job, one of the places that you may be most likely to get an executive role at is a past client, right? Like probably the fastest path to the C-suite, not not probably, absolutely the fastest path to the C-suite is a relationship you already have with someone who can get you into the C-suite, which is probably a past client or a past employer or a past colleague or somebody you know or somebody that you know that knows somebody who is a CEO or is an entrepreneur or is an, in, an investor in a company or is on the board of directors at a company because you're going through in through a relationship that you already have, right? Relationships are one of the... Uh, relationships are one of the highest forms of leverage in all business. It's the, it's one of the, the, it's an accelerant. And so I would immediately go, you, if, if you're trying to get into the C-suite, I'm not going on monster to figure out who's posting jobs in the C-suite. I'm going through my cell phone and saying, who do I know in here that is on a board? Who do I know in here who is an investor? Like, who do I know in here who is a CEO or a CMO or a, a you know, a chief, a VP of sales? Like, who do I know that is already in a high level? And then I'm going to call them and say, look, I'm on the market, you know, and I'm I'm actually looking for a place that I can land long term. Is there anyone you know? Are there any companies you know who are looking for an amazing COO? Um, you know, or just put yourself out there as a consultant and part of the conversations as you go, you know, hey, I, I'm looking for a long term opportunity here. Is I want to come in and deliver deliver results? But I would, you know, again, tactically speaking, I would come in through relationships. Um, so yeah, I, I do agree. You're not gonna get you're not gonna get hired for that. You know, whether you come in as a consultant or you come in through a friend or a relationship, like the likelihood of that happening is way, way higher. Um now, on the topic of networking, let me give you one ninja secret to this, if you if you don't already know this. The fastest way to build a relationship with super wealthy super influential people is to get involved with the nonprofits that they care about. The richest, most successful people. Okay. Let's say rich, which are typically high, high level people. They're going to have charitable causes that they're associated with. They're either a donor and they're going to get, you know, they're going to get asked or roped in or voluntold to be on boards or they're going to have charities that they have started. Serving on boards of nonprofits is one of the fastest ways to meet influential leaders. Um, and all these nonprofits are desperate for someone who knows something about operations, you know, and technology and strategy and HR, like they, it's a church or it's a animal shelter or a, a whatever. And so nonprofits are, nonprofit boards are a really great way to meet, um, you know, people like this, um, again, to the tactical, but, um, most of this I think is mindset. 
there are a couple of things that we've talked about here that are tactical. Come in as a consultant and crush it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, in uh, in my first book, Take the Stairs, there's a section that's called Crush It Where You're At. And it says, always the best way to open the next door is to crush it where you're at, to dominate at doing the thing you're doing now. That is always, even if you want out of your current job, the best way to get out of your current job is to just crush it at your current job because it builds your confidence. It builds your reputation. It, it opens doors. It, it, it does all these things. Um, you know, so tactically you've got relationships, you've got coming as a consultant, you know, maybe you're networking through your cell phone, through LinkedIn, th- you know, through joining a nonprofit board, um, you know, have a really good product and ask a lot of people to buy it. Um, but then the third thing that I would leave you with here, Kathy, is, is I would say, I think you should be open also to the idea that maybe being a C-level person isn't the right path for you. Um, I'm not saying there's anything in you that I see that says it shouldn't be, but I am a believer that you should go all in after the thing that you want. And you should sprint and run and chase it down as fast as you can and leave it all on the field. Because when you do that, only one of two things happen. Either the door opens. Mm -hmm. I think of it like this. I'm running down a hallway. There's a door at the end of the hallway. I'm running down the hallway and as hard as I can. And I'm going to try to bust through that door. Sometimes the door is locked. And I'm going to hit hard off that door. But every time that happens, there is a door to the left that is wide open or to the right that is wide open that I, that I couldn't see when I was way back here. But when I ran, then it was like, oh, that door is locked, but this one is wide open. And so you have to go all in after your dream and then still be open to the idea that, you know, maybe, maybe it's not right. Like maybe you're, maybe you're supposed to just be an awesome consultant and just do that. Cause I'll tell you this being in the C-suite is, is far from sunshines and rainbows. I mean, it's not money and you know, people think it's, Oh, it's more money. It's a nicer office. It's, it's more respect in the community. The reality is it's more stress. It's more hours. It's people problems. It's late nights. It's the responsibility of entire organizations on your shoulder. It's obligation to shareholders. It, it, it is, it, it is not the, this glorious position to, to just go, Oh, I've made it. It is like, it's basically choosing to say, I'm, I'm, I'm going to just allow myself to be completely used at the service of an organization and a mission, which is beautiful, but it's, it's very difficult. And it, it might be back to the point of crushing it where you're at. If you become a truly kick-ass consultant, like if all you're after is stability, the other way that you solve the stability problem isn't getting a job it's developing a better marketing plan for getting your next consulting client. And that's another way that you get stability. And here's what I love about that. You don't need anyone's permission. Nobody has to wave a wand to say, okay, you're good enough to be in the C-suite or I want to hire you. Like that's a path that you own yourself and you go, 
if stability is my real issue, all I need to do is solve my own marketing and sales problem for where I'm going to get the next client from. And there's a bunch of ways to, there's a bunch of ways to do that. I mean, that's, you know, what we do at Brand Builders Group all day, every day is teach people how to find their next client. So it, there's, a, there's a set of tactical things. And in that case, you become your own CEO. Because here's the thing, you are in the C-suite. You're the CEO of your own company as it stands right now. Even if you're the only person, like you already are in the C-suite, you're the CEO of your own company and go, if you can create stability with your, your business development in your own company, that's a problem you can just go solve and you don't need anyone's permission or blessing or you don't need another degree to do that. Like you don't even need to, you don't even need to, get another degree. You just need to go figure out what education do I need and what systems do I need to develop to get better at acquiring my next, my next consulting client. And it might be that that is a better path for you. Now, I'm not saying it should be. I'm saying there, there's, there's great options here. And you, just, you need to just kind of believe like you're, you can dominate it, whatever you decide to do. And if you really want to be in the C-suite, go after it and go decide to do it, go get it, get the degree, run after it and network your way in and just decide like, I'm going to get there. And even if you come in as a department level manager, you know, you make the decision, I'll do whatever it takes to get myself promoted and it'll, it'll happen. Um, but you have, you know, from what I can tell, Kathy, you have all the ingredients you're, you're not, you're not to me at the risk of like having negative criteria working against you. I think you've got a whole suite of positive things working for you that, you know, if you just believe it and you go knock it, go knock it down, I think it's going to happen for you. And if it doesn't, then it, to me, it tells me you're supposed to be the CEO of your own company and that's where you belong. And so you just need to dominate that either way is a win. Yeah, that's 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 uh, that's great advice. I hadn't really thought about it that way uh, before um, in terms of, you know, um, I know when doors don't open, they're not meant to open. And I totally get it. Um, so but yeah, that's that's good insight. Um, I appreciate that very much. Yeah, well, I wish you the best. Um, thank you for sharing this. Keep us posted on how the journey is uh, going along. And if you want to like DM me on Instagram or something, you know, I'm happy to continue the conversation. Um, thank and, you. I and, will definitely do that. And hopefully the next time that, you know, we converse, I'll give you a great update. Yeah, I'm, I'm counting on it. I believe in it. And uh, we believe in you and we wish you the best. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I want to recap some of my takeaways about from that conversation there with Kathy, which, you know, first of all, I just love. And I, I just have a heart for anyone that feels like her that somehow feels like they're at a, at a disadvantage. And, um, you know, there, there are a lot of real disadvantages in the world. Um, and some, some are more than others. And, you know, I, I, but I would say whether you have a disadvantage or not, the number one thing that all of us have to do is we have to believe that it's possible for ourselves. And a lot of that is the result of telling it's, it's, it's a, a lot of belief, right? Where you go, well, how do I believe? Where does belief come from? Belief 
really scientifically, like neurologically speaking, your brain, um, belief is basically a set of neural pathways that are formed in your brain by what you tell yourself over and over again. And, and the first time you say something about yourself, it's, it's, I think of it like hiking in the forest, you know, like if we were going on a hike, um, you have established neural pathways, which are like the path in the forest. When you create a new belief, it's like walking off the path. And the first time it's really hard. There's a lot of brush and a lot of debris and you got to knock stuff out of the way. And it's like, ah, this feels uncomfortable and hard. But then the second time you walk down that path, you know, it'll be exponentially easier. And then the third time it's easier and the fourth time it's easier. And then once you've done it enough, there's just a clear path there, which is now you go, oh, that is the path. And that's the path I take every time. That's the same way about belief in your brain. You believe this is fascinating. We don't actually believe what is true, right? We, we, th- we think what we believe is true, but that's not really it. We, we don't believe what is true. We believe whatever we tell ourselves most often. And I don't mean that to challenge like every belief you have, like some of your beliefs are true, but a good number of your beliefs probably aren't true. They're only your beliefs because they're things that you have said to yourself over and over again. It's, it's you, you think the only way to go is the, is the way of the path. It's the path that you're on, but you can create a new path at any point, just like you can create a new belief at any point. You can rewrite your belief system. You can retell yourself. It's, it's like a computer program, right? You just, you, a computer doesn't, have a belief system, but it has an operating system. The operating system is a set of code that governs, you know, and dictates how the computer operates. Your brain is a computer. It's your brain is neutral other than what you tell it to do. And so a lot of our programming, a a lot of our pathways are established by other people. What, what the people in our neighborhood tell us like in Kathy's, you know, Kathy's hearing stuff probably from a bunch of these younger moms. Maybe she hangs around even because she said, you know, she mentioned that she was an older mom. Um, and so she probably feels a little bit like an outsider there at times, or there are things our parents said to us or a bully said to us when we were in elementary school, but you got to own your beliefs. You got to rewrite your operating system. And to me, the idea of belief is always a little kind of like hooey fooey, right? It's a little soft, but the idea of going, thinking of it as an operating system is more somehow more empowering. At least to me, it's more practical. It's like, Oh, I got to write a new, I got to install a new piece of code. It's like, you know, you get these updates on your phone. I got to update my own brain with a a higher level operating system, which is basically telling myself a new set of things to be true about myself. And that is really crucial in anything that we're trying to pursue And, and certainly applies to, you know, getting a promotion or advancing your career. The second, the second thing that I wish I would have said this on the interview with Kathy is that, uh, you know, I kind of, I kind of told her, I said, Hey, that, you know, you can become an executive, you can come in the C-suite of a big company, or you can become CEO of your own company, which are, are both true. And I sort of like laid out there's these two options. There's another very popular option that is emerging right now. Um, in fact, our company at brand builders group is, is doing this is there is a big trend to hire fractional C-level executives. Um, and the reason is, especially if you're a smaller company or a growing company like brand builders group, we're, we're early in our career. So we can't, we can't afford to just go hire you know, a C-level executive and pay them whatever, a couple hundred or a few hundred thousand dollars a year. Like we're not at that level yet. We also don't need that yet, but 
we kind of want the expertise. And so we have a fractional CFO and we hired a fractional CMO to help us bridge the gap. And so these are people that we basically, you know, they're contractors. We hire for like two days a week, um, you know, or X number of days a month to help us kind of fill that role and get some of like the systems built and the processes and to help mentor and develop some of our current staff that are like maybe younger leaders. Um, and so fractional C-level support is a really popular trend. And, um, you know, so CMO, CTO, um, CFO, COO, in Kathy's case, you know, to, to put yourself out there as a fractional C-level uh, person, if you have, you know, that kind of experience that Kathy does, I think is a really emerging space and, and, and a very hot demand, uh, at least for the entrepreneur groups and circles that AJ and I um, hang out in. So, you know, that's another thing to consider, whether you become one for someone or you maybe hire some of you, like you listening, you might need to not be one. You might need to hire one like we do, right? We're going, oh, I can't hire a CFO and pay them whatever I need to pay them. But I can, I can hire a fractional CFO where they do a day a week or a day every other week um, just to kind of bridge the gap. So that's, you know, the second kind of tech takeaway there. And, and I would relate that to what I told Kathy is just crush it where you're at. Like do an amazing job at the thing that you're doing. That's the best way to open the door to the next thing. And some people will say, oh, I don't like what I'm doing now, or I don't like the company I'm working at now because of this or that. And it's like, well, you don't, you don't like it because you're not doing it well. <laughs> like you're, you can't like join a company and be like, oh, I hate it here when it's like, well, you're last in sales or like you, you sucked on your last review or, or like you're not doing a good job. It, it, it's, it, it looks different from the, the view looks very different from the top of the mountain than the bottom. So, so crush it where you're at, get to the top of the mountain and then look around and go, oh, okay, do I like it? How do I feel it now? Now, if you're crushing it where you're at and you're on top and you go, yeah, I don't really, I think I'm ready for something new. Great. Do something new. I promise you the fact that you have succeeded in the role that you're at now will accelerate and push you forward into you know, doing the next thing. So crush it where you're at and, and figure out a way to, be, to provide value to people, whether it's, you know, as a fractional or as a consultant or coming on staff, whatever it is. And then number three, um, the third kind of big theme, big key takeaway from that conversation with Kathy, relationships are a multiplier relationships are a multiplier. They're an accelerant. They, they are a form of leverage, right? They're, uh, um, relationships make things happen exponentially faster. And so your relationships matter. And if you're, you know, you need to develop relationships in the area that you're trying to go, right? Like, if you're wanting to become a best-selling author, you need to be around best-selling authors. If you want to become a, a, a CEO, like you need to kind of hang around people in the C-suite. If you want to become an entrepreneur, you hang around people in the entrepreneur. Like if you want to become a more successful person, you need to hang out with other successful people, which is one of the reasons why we have achievers, by the way, if you haven't joined yet, you need to go to achievers.success.com because you can hang out with other achievers. But, and you, that's a place you can build relationships inside of achievers, but you've got to form these relationships. And, and here's the thing. Everybody wants a relationship when they need it, right? Like Kathy is in need of a relationship right now. And she, she probably has some that she'll be able to go back to after that conversation. But 
you don't, you can't form relationships when you need them. You have to form relationships before you need them. In fact, the best time to form a relationship is before you need one. You, you, you serve people, you help people all the time for no reason. So that one day when you do need help, they're so happy to help because you've done so much for them. You can't wait until you need help and then try to develop a relationship. That's not going to work. You have to invest in the relationship. It's kind of like a bank account, right? You have to make deposits into the relationship and go, how can I serve you? How can I help you before you need anything? And that's the other thing to truly build genuine relationships it can't be predicated on a transaction of something you need back. You really can only build relationships with people who you don't need anything from right now, right? If, if I know I need something from you, that's not a relationship. That's a transaction, right? That, that's not a friend. That's a, that's a prospect. That's not how you do relationships. The way you do relationships is you go, gosh, you're really cool. I, I think you're a cool person. I think you're influential. I don't need anything from you, but gosh, I sure would love to help you if I can. How can I help you? And you're doing that in all these areas of your life. And one day you look up and it's like, oh my gosh, there's all these amazing influential people around me who like me and want to help me. Why? Because I like them and I've been helping them without needing something from them. And so if the point should come at one point in the future that you, you could use a little help, You've got a bunch of relational equity built up. You've got a bunch of relationship deposits built up and you know, you cash in a few of those chips, you, you know, when you, when you're in a bind, when you need some help and they go, man, I'll totally help you. I'll be totally help you. Um, relationships are a multiplier and relationships. The best time to build a relationship is before you need it. So those are a couple of the takeaways from today and this conversation. I hope you're getting value from this. I sure am. These are great reminders and refreshers and just energizes me to talk to Kathy and you're the star of this show. So apply to come on the show at success.com forward slash success line guest. Ask me a question. You could get free coaching with me on the show. If not, uh, you know, we can't answer, uh, not everyone can come on the show, but I can, I can answer a lot of those questions with videos. So go to success.com forward slash success line guest, apply to come on the show. And uh, even if that's not you keep coming back, we've got lots and lots more to come to you from us here at the success line. If you would like to appear on the success line, head to success.com slash success line guest to fill out the application form. If you're enjoying the podcast, feel free to rate, review, and most of all, tell your friends. This has been a success podcast. Head to success.com slash podcast to hear more just like it.